and so we were talking about greater harvest and and uh, and something Sorrell, Minister Sorrell said made me think of this, you know, another law of greater harvest. I don't have time to preach on it, I'm just gonna mention it. Pruning always results in greater harvest. Pruning is cutting something back. We never want to cut something back. We want it to continuously grow. But if, a, if you don't cut back a grapevine, for instance, or certain kinds of trees, they, they won't bear the fruit that they would if you would prune them. So just know that. Sometimes you're in a pruning time and it seems like things are being cut back or a painful time, but, but God prunes things off of us in order for a, a greater harvest. And as I told you last week, these laws work for anyone, whether they're Christian or non-Christian. If a, if a Christian does not live by God's laws of the harvest, they will not reap a harvest. If a, if a non-Christian live by, lives by God's laws of the harvest, they will reap a harvest. Matthew 5.45 says, He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In theological terms, we call this common grace. It's a grace that's common to everyone. And this explains why some non-Christians seem to be more blessed than some Christians. If a, if a non-Christian follows God's laws regarding marriage, they'll have a blessed family. If a non-Christian follows God's laws concerning finances, they'll have a blessed bank account. If a non-Christian follows God's laws concerning work, they'll, they'll reap promotions and raises. So we call these natural laws because they operate in the natural realm. But today... I want to preach on not about what is natural, but about what is supernatural. So I am preaching today, God led me to preach this, a sermon entitled, An Even Greater Harvest. Last week was Greater Harvest. I'm preaching on, some of y'all are happy about that. You know, all need to get excited about this. An Even Greater Harvest. So I'm not preaching about these natural laws this time. I'm preaching on uh, what, is, what is supernatural, what goes beyond the natural. And, and this kind of grace is, is uncommon, where the, the natural laws of harvest God instituted in Genesis work for everyone. This kind of supernatural harvest is for God's people. Now listen, I believe you've got to be uh, obeying God's natural laws of harvest in order to tap into these supernatural uh, greater harvests. I want you to get that. You can't just ignore what God says about giving and his principles and all that and expect a harvest. And by the way, I'm asking for you, if you have got a, we used to do this years ago and we kind of got away from it. I, want, I feel that we need, the elders felt that we need to get back to it. If you've got a giving testimony or a tithing testimony, can you email it to me at joe.oakley at gfc.cc? Uh, a story of, of how tithing, giving resulted in what, what self, something in your life. Uh, it didn't necessarily have to be about money. It could be, but God blessed me with this or that or that. Just a story, a, a, a testimony about uh, giving because we want to start having people share those on a regular basis. So that's joe.oakley, O-A-K-L-E-Y, at gfc.cc. If you'd send it to me, uh, just, just a brief synopsis of it. Um, the, Pastor Joe, I was, I, I wasn't tithing, and God, God told me to, and I started tithing, and since then, here's what happened, or whatever. I mean, whatever it be. Speaking of which, Mary, come up here, Mary. This is Mary Salvador. She, she uh, some of y'all don't know her. She's kind of new around here. 
Well, I, when I came in today, come up here so we can see you. She was so excited. Yes, I was. You, um, <laughs> she, I came I, to visit this church a while back, and the Lord brought me back. Hmm. I was out of order. I was not, my, it was just, my mind just got really out of chaotic. He's like, you need to go back to this church, get in order. Faith, you know, when you hear it, when you hear the word, a lot of times they preach about tithing, giving people think, man, they want my money. They want to take my money. But it's not about the pastors. They're already blessed. They don't need your money. Right. God wants to bless your life. Right. And in order. So when much is, when much is given, much is required. And I told him, I'm in trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. I came here and he said that. I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm in trouble because God's like, you know, you got to get in order. So anyhow, I didn't have money for my rent. I really didn't have the money for my rent, so I wasn't worried about it anyway. I said, you know what? God said, give what belongs to me. And I gave what belonged to him, plus the offering, you know. And, um, and I had to walk by faith. He said, sometimes you have to sacrifice. Right. But I said, you know what? If he opened, you know, he, gave, he opened the Red Sea. I mean, you know, he, he brought water into wine, and I was fearing, you know. But the Lord's like, trust me, you know. So I gave. I gave him first before I paid my rent. And I said, well, um, put the rest on the credit card, whatever balance it is. And it went through. And I said, thank you, Lord, because I know that getting an order, all things are going to come. It's a blessing. So I wanted to share that because they don't need your money. The church doesn't need your money. God wants you to trust them with your finances. And I really believe in my heart that no matter how chaotic my finances are, it's going to be restored. It's going to be good. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to continue to give. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And I wanted to share that because her testimony, she was joyful just over getting this revelation and being able to give. She hasn't gotten some big harvest yet, but she had the joy of the Lord all over her when I came in this morning. Just over Pastor Joe, I'm so excited because God, God touched me. God spoke to me. God revealed truth to me, and, and I'm going to walk in it, and I'm believing for harvest. It hasn't come yet. I mean, that, those are some of the testimonies. We usually want to get the testimonies. I was uh, $100,000 in debt, and I hadn't been tithing, and so I, I started tithing, and the next day I got a $100,000 check. I mean, yeah, right, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? But it's usually not that way. It's usually not that way. Remember, there's usually, I didn't mean to get into all this, but um, you get extra today. Um, remember, there's usually a time between sowing and reaping. There's usually a, a season there, so you've got to start and believe God to do it. Now, there's a lot of times of kinds of supernatural harvest in the Bible, and so we, I want to look at that so we can understand how we can reap an even greater harvest. Number one, God can give you a harvest so big that it lasts for years. This happened in the Old Testament when God established the principle of the Sabbath rest. Not only did people have a Sabbath rest one day a week, but the entire land rested every seven years. In Leviticus 25, 2-4, God said, When you enter the land I'm going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years sow your fields, and for six years prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year the land is to have a Sabbath of rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Now at first this might sound really good, like, oh man, every seven years we get a year off of work. I'm going to travel and see the sights and take it easy and rest up, and then I'll so I was like, wait a minute, how are we going to eat? 
God anticipated that question and answered it in advance. He told them in Leviticus 25, 20 through 21, you may ask, what will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? And here's God's answer. I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. So that, that's enough for the seventh year where they took off. And then in the eighth year, they had to plant. And then the ninth year, they were, they were reaping their harvest. So God had to give them a blessing that lasted for, 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 for three years. It's the ultimate bumper crop. And so, in other words, God says, I've established these laws of harvest you must live by, but I have the option of overriding those laws and doing something that goes beyond the laws and doing something greater, something supernatural. And one way it's supernatural is God giving you a harvest so big you live on it for years. You might not think that can happen to you, but it can. Listen, don't be so natural-minded that you're never supernatural-minded. Sometimes our biggest enemy is the natural man versus the spiritual man. And you see, people tend to go to one extreme or the other. Either they believe in miracles or they live totally by natural laws. Uh, they don't believe in miracles. They live by natural laws or they believe in miracles, but they take it to the extreme. Like, God, I love this supernatural stuff. I like that year off so much that I just want to live that way all the time. I want to have every year off. Just give me a crop so big that I'll never have to work again. And every day of my life will be a Sabbath rest to the Lord. I can say to you with confidence that probably won't happen. Most of the time we live by God's laws of sowing and reaping, but don't let that keep you from believing for a miracle. Don't let that keep you from praying for something supernatural. God has ways of blessing you with unexpected income, gifts and inheritance, a raise, a bonus. Think about the disciples. They they. they they experienced that when they were toiling all night trying to catch fish, and they caught nothing. And Jesus told them, cast your net again. And they caught a supernatural harvest so big it almost sunk their boat. That was a huge financial harvest for them. That's how they made their living off of fishing. A lesser-known story is found in Matthew 17, 24 through 27. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the, the two drachma tax came to Peter and said, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. The temple tax, it's established in Exodus, where every male over the age of 20 had to pay a, a, an annual temple tax. This was above their tithe, and, and this was for the, the, the upkeep of the temple. When Peter came into house, the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked? From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own sons or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the sons are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not offend them, go to the lake, throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you'll find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and for yours. Now, I've heard a lot of fishing stories in my life. But now that's a fishing story. Now, I know some people want to say, now, I, I just, every time I catch a fish, I want to believe for a, a coin in his mouth. No, this is a, a special circumstance that Jesus uh, used to do the supernatural. But I want you to notice that Jesus paid his taxes. In, in those days, there were taxes paid to Rome and a temple tax 
for the upkeep of the simple of the temple. And it reminds me of what he said in Matthew twenty two twenty one: Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. What belongs to Caesar? Well, that represents government. What belongs to government? Taxes. What belongs to God? Tithes. The Bible says all the tithes belongs to God. Jesus taught we should pay our taxes and pay our tithes. And I would add to that, pay your tickets. I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many people I don't know who would spend some time in jail over not paying a traffic ticket. Pay your taxes. Pay your tithes. Pay your tolls. Pay your tickets. Now, uh, Jesus, Jesus taught us that we should pay our taxes and our tithes. Some people think tithing is only found in the Old Testament, but Jesus taught us to tithe in the New Testament in Matthew 23, 23. Yes, you should tithe, but do not neglect the more important things. Yes, you should. Tithe is giving 10% of our income to God. It belongs to God. Some people, some people don't understand that, but... That's the way God set it up. And some people don't understand church. I think some people think church just kind of automatically happens. But as long as there's a church on this earth, there's expenses. Somebody got to pay for this building we're in. By the way, an example of a greater harvest. Well, I'll give you two examples. Uh, Number one, in my my communion cup today, I got two wafers. (laughs) I got a double portion. I got an even greater harvest. Anybody else get two? Hey, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. You all got an even, y'all got a harvest. The rest of us got an even greater harvest. We got a double portion. <laughs> what was I talking about? <laughs> huh? I'm seriously asking that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he says. Yeah, this, thank you. This week, we had a, a blessing. I mean, we, you know, um, our church th- this year, our offerings have been a little bit down, and so we've been really having to look at, as a elders and leaders of the church, how can we cut back? How can we pair expenses? How, what, what can we do? And our, our, lo and behold, our, our, our contract for our lease is up, was up March 1st. And the landlord was wanting, it's the most increase he had ever asked for, like like a 20%. It was like a, um, what was he asking for, Jerry? $12,000, $1,200 $1, more? $1,200 an increase uh, a month. And, um, and uh, so we really went to prayer. I asked my men's prayer team, and we prayed together on Monday, and I asked all of them to pray, and I, I asked Kim to pray, and... And we went in there, me and Jerry and Chuck Procopria, and, and we prayed. And we, uh, we, uh, it was a pretty agonizing time uh, to get through all that. But um, he was not really willing to do anything at first. Uh, but when we came out of it, we only had a $500 a month increase. So that was a, that was a, that was, that was a great blessing. But, I mean, so we pay, we pay over $10,000 a month just on the rent for this building. Then you got in, utilities, and you got insurance, and you got supplies, and you got salaries. And so there's, there's always a cost. And, 
and there's, all, there's a cost to government, that's why we pay our taxes, and there's a cost to the church, and that's why we pay our tithes and give our offerings. It's, uh, of course, we're giving unto God, but God uses that, just like he used that temple tax, to pay for the upkeep. And I, I want you to get a vision for this, because a lot of people never think about that. They just think churches automatically or magically get money. Um, and some people never, ever, ever, ever catch the vision that we are a family. We are a family. Listen, when I was growing up, man, I'm going over today, I can tell you. When it hits 1130, if you need to leave, you can leave. But, just, but I'm, 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 I'm going for it. So, so. My dad got me my first job. I came home one day from school. I think I was a sophomore or junior in high school. He said, boy, I got you a job. It wasn't an option for me. It was, you're working, and I got you a place you're working. I'm like, okay, it was S.S. Kresge, which is a parent company of Kmart, and they were, they were the five-and-dime stores back then, and we were living in Detroit. And, and I worked there, and they paid you those days in cash in a brown envelope that it had a folding cover on it and would put your deductions on it. And I was making, I think, $1.65 an hour or something like that. This was 1972 or something. And um, when I got paid at the end of the week with that money in my brown envelope. My mom would drive from downtown Detroit where she worked to pick me up on the east side of Detroit and I would hand her that envelope. She gave me back what I could keep. I never questioned it, never complained about it. My older sisters worked full time. They lived at home still. They, we, it took all of us, it took all of us, my point is it took all of us as a family, to make it. It takes all of us as a church to make it. And I, I think God, for that to happen, God wants to, to bless us so that we have something to, to, to give. And, and you might not see any way in the natural that God can bless you. But remember, I'm talking about a supernatural harvest. And to do that, to reap that, you've got to walk by faith, not by sight. You've got to walk by faith, not by sight. Now, my, my wife is a very faith-filled woman, and, and she, she has, been, she's, has expressed a lot greater faith than me over the years. And one, day God, one way God has blessed us has been with free trips. Traveling has always been a dream for us, and she's always prayed for that. And we've been all over the world. It started when she, worked, she went to work for Salvation, Salvation Army. She went to work for Southwest Airlines because she wanted to, to be able to travel for free. And in the four or five years she worked there, we took over 50 trips. Uh, we didn't have to pay for those flights at all. Uh, and, and we've been blessed by family with trips and friends with trips. And, and we've stayed in, in a, con a beach a, a condo in Sanibel Island for Florida many years as a gift from family. We, we took our family to Disney World many times as a gift from family. We've been all over America, Europe, Africa, Asia, Central America, South America, without having to pay from it. For we've just had people that blessed us. And I'll never forget, we, we wanted this. Pastor Deb really wanted this free, wanted a trip to the Mexican Riviera. We had a... a, a uh, some friends that were going on this cruise to the Mex Mexican Riviera. That, you leave out of San Diego and you go down to Cabo San Lucas and all down that way. And, um, and we couldn't afford it. And we tried to figure out how to make it work, and I just told her, just forget it. It's not going to happen. And she's a woman of faith, and she didn't just forget it. She kept believing. She kept praying. Uh, we wouldn't have the house 
we live in, if she hadn't believed for it first, we would not have started this church. And you would not be here today if she had not prayed and believed first. Now, I'm serious. I'm serious. And when we couldn't afford to go on that cruise, I said, forget about it. But she had faith about it. She did. And she believed God. And one day at church, standing right out in that foyer, a family, they don't even go here anymore. He came up to me and said, our, our company has rented a whole cruise ship. I think it was from Celebrity or Carnival. One of those big, we've rented the whole thing as a, for, for an incentive trip for our employees. And we have some extra rooms. And if you guys want to go, you can go for free. I said, wow, that's awesome. I said, my wife's been believing for that trip. And he, I said, when is it? And he gave me the date. I said, oh, man, uh, thanks for the offer, but we can't go. That's the week of the fall festival. On the way to lunch from church, I told Deb, you'll never believe this. You know that trip you've been believing for all this time? Somebody from church came to me today and said we could go on that, that Mex Mexican Riviera cruise for free. But we can't go. She said, what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> what do you mean we can't go? I said, it's the week of the fall festival. She gave me this look like, what planet are you from? And she said, I don't know about you, but I believe for that exact cruise. I pray for that cruise. I'm going on that cruise. You've got a lot of capable people who can handle the fall festival. It can go on without you, or, or, or you can choose to, to, to cruise, or you can stay and pay. <laughs> so it was an awesome cruise. <laughs> And the fall festival went on without us just fine. My, my point is, I said forget about it, but she had faith about it. She believed that God would provide. She didn't know how or when, but she believed. And God did it from an unexpected source. And through the years, God had provided many things for us like that through, through unexpected ways. And we miss out on blessings when we don't expect a supernatural harvest. I think we would not have reaped that if it was just up for me, up to me. Because I said forget about it. And God would have been like, well, okay, it's forgotten. But she kept on praying. So, so listen, I'm talking to somebody today. Your tendency is to say, forget about it. But I'm telling you, have faith about it. Pray about it. God can give you a supernatural harvest. <laughs> Number two, God can give a supernatural harvest that is small but daily. Think about this. When the children of Israel was in the, the, going through the wilderness, God provided food every day in the form of manna. Psalm 78, 24 through 25 says, He rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Men ate the bread of angels. He sent them all the food they could eat. It could be that God sends you a big harvest, or he could send you a small one that's regular, that's, that's daily. It's still a supernatural harvest of God's provision. Number three, God can give you a supernatural harvest where you did not sow. I'm not, saying where you, I'm not saying you don't sow. I'm saying God can give you a harvest someplace else than where you sow. Again, think about the children of Israel going into the promised land. Joshua 24, 13 says, I gave you a land for which you did not toil, cities which you did not build, and you live in them and eat from vineyards and, and olives grow that you did not plant. It's a supernatural harvest, and all of us reap harvests like that. We reap living in a nation where we have freedom, freedoms that other people don't have. We, we can work at companies where other people gave their blood, sweat, and tears to 
build and we get to come in and reap the blessing of it. Or think about church. Every week you show up and reap the benefits of what others have planned for, prayed for, uh, uh, pr- prepare for, practice for all week long. We can reap where we did not sow and believe for a greater measure. Number four, God can give a supernatural harvest by speeding up the seasons. Yeah. Amos nine thirteen. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. He said it can, God can speed up the season where, where you're reaping the harvest and there's already somebody right behind you planting the seed and you're planting the seed and there's already somebody right behind you reaping the harvest. God can, there's laws of harvest and there's timing, but God, the timing is in the hand of God and sometimes he can speed up that harvest. And listen, the key to all these greater blessings and greater harvest is faith and obedience. Faith and obedience, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. It's like Elijah. He was in a time of famine, and God said, I'm going to provide for you. Go down to this brook, to this creek. You can eat water from there, and I'll have ravens bring you food. And I was like, well, okay, not the best provision, but God has provision. So he goes down to the creek, and, and what happens? The creek dries up. By the way, God is your source, not a creek, not a company, not a person or anything else. God can use a lot of different channels to get provision to you. So don't despair if your creek dries up. God's still going to provide. He's still your source. So God told Elijah to go to Zarephath, and there would be a widow there who would take care of him and provide him food. And I can imagine if it was me on the way to there from that creek, and man, I'm glad of getting out of this creek and having birds feed me. I'm going to this widow woman's house, and I'm sure probably if God sent me there, her husband was very rich when he died, and they got a lot of land and, and servants and a big nice house and I'm going to have a room and lots of food. This is going to be awesome. Well, 1 Kings 7, 12 says, Elijah went there and asked her for food and here's what she said. As surely as your Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar, a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. You ever wonder, why, God, why'd you send me to this place? I mean, you think, you know, I've always heard it where God guides, he provides, but, but God, this is your provision. You expect me to come to this place and eat this starving widow woman's last meal? She can't even eat it. I'm going to eat it. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home, do as, as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me and, from what you have and bring it to me and make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as he said, and there was food for every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up. The jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. And you might think, well, yeah, that was Elijah. But here's what the Bible says about Elijah in James 5, 17. Elijah was a man just like us. Don't put him up on some big platform. He was a man just like us. And we, that is, that's telling us we too can have faith and see a supernatural harvest. And, and, and we can have a harvest, like in this case, where what we have lasts longer and goes farther. Sometimes a harvest is not something else that you get. You don't get a new car, but the old one keeps running. You don't get new shoes, but the shoes don't wear out. 
Sometimes that is a way of harvest, and God can send that. God, we serve a God of, of the impossible, and, 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 and when you're in a place of need, he's not going to lead, lead you to. But if you're going to unlock this supernatural harvest like this woman did, you've got to trust and obey and do what God says. And one of the greatest principles of the miraculous is to understand that the little we have when given into the hands of Jesus will be uh, translated into in, incredible abundance. I mean, she didn't have much. I mean, think about this. I mean, think about this. You're asking this woman to give her last food. You're asking for somebody to give the last amount of food, and you're going to eat it. I mean, I mean, I don't think I would do that unless, I mean, God would have to write it in the sky where I would say, Joe, eat that food. But there's something about giving God it's the widow's might in the New Testament. Same kind of a story where she gave all that she had. Listen, you might not have much, but God starts with what you have, and he multiplies it. Take what you have and give it to him. God takes everything you have and multiplies it. He takes small things to accomplish big things. He takes ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. And it, all it takes is you to release into your, to the hands of God what you have. In, in 2 Kings 4, a woman went to Elisha and said her, her husband had died, and she owed money to a creditor, and they were coming to take their two boys as slaves. Now, a lot of the slavery in the Old Testament was happened just because of this. Somebody owed money, they couldn't pay it, and they had to sell themselves into a, a, a slavery until they paid the debt off. Eliza replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all. And it's like, oh, except, except I got a little oil. Eliza said, Go around, ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for a few. Remember that. Go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars as each is filled. Put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her. She kept pouring when all the jars were full. She said to her son, bring me another one. And he said, there's not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your son can live on what is left. This prophet did not allow this woman to be passive. He made a demand on her when she seemingly had nothing. That's what she said. I've got nothing. Well, wait a minute. Except I got a little oil. So she took that little oil. That's all she had. And one of the greatest principles of breakthrough is when you take what little you have, you're waiting to do something great to offer it to God. God says, no. What do you got now? What, what, it starts with little. Don't despise small beginnings. And here's the principle. Don't just ask for a few. Before you have a supernatural harvest, you've got to believe big and ask big and pray big and expect big. And sometimes we limit our ability to receive by limited giving, limited faith, limited asking. And if you're asking is small, your harvest will be small. Elijah said, don't ask for a few. Don't, don't, don't shortchange yourself. Make room for abundance. And then this story, listen, the oil was only limited by her ability to receive it. As soon as the last vessel was filled, stop flowing. If she borrowed only one container, she would have got one container. If she had borrowed 50 containers, she would have had 50 filled containers. The amount of her harvest was not determined by God. It was determined by her ability to receive it. So my question is, what are you believing for? What are you asking for? It's my desire to move you from, from zero containers to one. 
and from 1 to 2, and from 2 to 5, and from 5 to 10, and from 10 to 50. Stop going around year after year with the same low expectations. Stop asking for a few and start asking big. I'm encouraging you to have a radical faith in El Shaddai. That's the God who is more than enough. Stop asking for a few by just believing for enough money to pay your bills. Start believing to to get out of debt. Stop believing for just a few by believing for a minimum wage job. Believe God for a great paying job. Stop asking for just a a few by, by somehow expecting everything to go wrong. Start believing. Why don't you start believing for things to go right? Believe for good things to happen. Believe for a supernatural harvest. Believe for supernatural favor. Believe for supernatural provision in Jesus' name. Give what you've got to to the hands of God, and he will multiply it. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray today for a supernatural harvest. How many need a supernatural harvest? If you do, stand to your feet. I want to pray for you in the name of Jesus. Lord, you see all these people, God, who are looking unto you. El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. God, forgive us for believing small, thinking small, asking small. uh, uh, Lord, get us out of this just a few mentality. Lord, get get us out of the attitude that I have when I just said, I'll just forget about believing for that. Yet, Lord, you wanted to give it to us all along. God, thank you for a wife who had faith in spite of me. And I'm praying, God, that that we would each begin to have faith and believe God, believe you, Lord, for a supernatural harvest. God, there are people who need supernatural financial provision. God, I ask for you to provide it. There are those who need supernatural help. God, I pray that you would heal them. There are those who need a miracle in their families. God, I ask for you to give it. God, I ask you to help us, Lord, expand our, our faith. Give us a gift of faith to believe you for bigger and greater things so that we might be a greater blessing to others. I pray it in Jesus' name.